We're in the midst of the second week of a sermon series called Fixer Upper. How many of you have seen that show, Fixer Upper? Raise your hand. You'll be bashful, right? At least half of you have watched that. The other half will now go watch it. It's the uh, number one watched TV show on cable uh, on an average of 5 million viewers per time, which is pretty amazing. Everybody loves a fixer-upper, right? We love to take something that's broken down and repair it, see something that's worthless become priceless, and maybe, you know, we can fix our own houses up, find some tricks that we can help make our place look better, or, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you can uh, go find that rundown place somewhere and then buy it and fix it up and flip it, right? That's, that's what that's all about. Well, fixer-uppers are all about risk and rewards. You can find some real treasures, but you can also find some money pits. Now, what are the hidden risks? I mean, you know, I, I'm not into construction, but I've watched the show enough to know that you can uh, find out after you buy this place that there are electrical issues, maybe some outdated plumbing. You pull back the sheetrock, and there could be uh, mold behind the wall or, or rotten walls or rotten joists or even something like asbestos or something, something that would cost you an arm and a leg, and you see all of your profit go out the window. Now, the reality is this morning that all of us here are fixer-uppers. You know, we all uh, need to be fixed. We all need work in our lives. And in this passage this morning that Shannon read for you, we read about a woman who needed to be fixed. She has some issues. She has some hidden things in her life that she didn't want anybody to know about, and yet Jesus went to her. And most of us here this morning have some things hidden that we really don't want anybody to know about. Uh, We don't want to uh, disclose that. You know, if you look at our Facebook page, if you have one of those, none of those things go on our Facebook page, just the good stuff, right? Just just the, the things that make us look really good. But all of us have challenges lying beneath the surface. You've come to the right place, because this is a hospital. This is a place where we can receive help and receive grace and receive mercy. So if you would have your Bibles available, I'm going to be reading several uh, parts of chapter 4 here to kind of give us the context of what Jesus is wanting to do in our midst. Beginning with verse 4 in chapter 4. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone into the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew. If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. Father God, I pray that you would give us today fresh, living water, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would touch our hearts with your living water, your Holy Spirit. Give me words to speak. Give us ears to hear. And may Jesus, may Jesus, may you be lifted up higher than anyone else in this room. All across our campus, Jesus, this is about you. 
in our walk with you, our life with you, our journey with you. In Jesus' name I ask this, amen and amen. Now, the first thing I would say to you this morning about this woman who comes to Jesus is that Jesus will go anywhere for anyone. He will go anywhere for anyone despite geography, history, culture, or brokenness. Now, geography. Jesus finds himself in the wrong zip code. You know, he's not supposed to be in Samaria. Jews don't go into Samaria. It is a forsaken land. And yet, this is exactly where he goes. In fact, if you read in the verse, first part of chapter 4, he says Jesus had to go there. He had to go to Samaria. Now, why is it a forsaken place? Because of 800 years of hostility. 800 years these people have hated each other. Why? Because during the exile, these Samaritans had intermarried. And in the Orthodox Jews' eyes, they were half-breeds. They, they were outsiders. They were outcasts. You know, they, the Samaritans, for example, only believed that the first five books of the Old Testament were the inspired Word of God. And the Orthodox Jews believed that all the books of the Old Testament were inspired by God. Jewish folks worshiped God in Jerusalem, not Samaritans. They worshiped God at Mount Gerizim. So they had all kinds of these differences. And then you get the cultural difference. That again, a Jew would never talk to a Samaritan, and men would not talk to women in public. They, they wouldn't talk to women. I mean, it just, it just wasn't done. And yet we have Jesus here associating with this Samaritan woman. Now, a rabbi would never talk to a woman or a person who had a lifestyle that was not within the will of God, that was living outside of God's purpose for their life. And yet, what does Jesus say to the woman? Give me a drink of water. He, he's already on ground that Jews would consider unclean. He's having a conversation with a woman that people would consider unclean. But he asked her for a drink of water. He's going to drink out of her cup. Jesus is going, goes anywhere for anyone, and he's here for you. He's here for you. God has brought you here by his Holy Spirit, and he'll meet you here. But he will go anywhere for anyone. It goes on in verse 11. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw, to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock can pass it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. Now, Jesus offers this woman living water instead of limited water. She is hearing about some water that will quench her thirst. And this is amazing to her. Folks, all of us here this morning are thirsty. Now, my doctor tells me that I need to drink 80 ounces of water a day. So uh, I don't usually do that very well, but I'm going to take a sip right now. But don't you, some of you out there going, man, I wish I had some water right now, right? Uh, uh, just a little sip of water would do me wonders. But we're all thirsty. 
Everyone in this room is thirsty. You're thirsty to be accepted. You're, you're thirsty to be loved. You want to have a purpose in your life. You want to be accepted. This woman had none of that. She's out drawing water at the well at noon because she's rejected from her community. The other women would come in the cool of the day, but not her. She comes in the heat of the day. There's a thirst, something missing in her life. And like her, sometimes we quench our thirst with the wrong water, with limited water that doesn't meet our thirst. C.S. Lewis described it this way. He says, we go about living our lives if we only believe, if we only had another relationship, if I could just get the right relationship, if I could go on a more expensive vacation, if I could buy a bigger house, if I could acquire some more things, if I could live in a nicer part of the country, maybe I need to try a more dangerous sport, pick a more exciting career, find me a better drug that'll make me sleep at night whatever it might be. We keep thinking that we're going to find that thing, that one thing that will make everything right in our lives. And when we find that thing, we find out finding that it doesn't make it right. We're still thirsty. I love what Greg Boyd says. He says, behavior is always a symptom of thirst. Our behavior is always a symptom of thirst. The things that we chase after tell us what we're thirsty for. The things we follow tell us what we're thirsty for. So when you get away from church, what are you chasing? What are you trying to find? What are you hoping for? What do you keep saying, if only, or when, or then? Jesus comes to offer you not limited water, but living water. So what is the living water? The woman says, I, I would love to some of that living water. Now, in a nutshell, in a very simple way, the living water that Jesus Christ offers is the Holy Spirit. It is God's Spirit living within us. It is an unending presence of God that God always shows up in your life when you need him. When you invite God in your life, he always comes through. He's always there. In fact, he told his disciples, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. But when you chase after other things, you leave him behind. And what we're guilty sometimes is, is we wait till we get so dry and so empty that then we try to turn to Jesus to rescue us. He wants to live with us always with a water that will quench our thirst. I love how Paul said it in his letter to the, to the Colossians from the message version. He says, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. Now, for this woman, all that Jesus is saying to her is a mystery. It's been kept there for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. So this morning, regardless of your background, where you come from, what you've done, regardless of where you think you are religiously, it doesn't matter. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. And I would say to you this morning, Christ can be in you. 
It's your choice this morning. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to come into your life. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. Now, I believe whenever Christ is in us, when, when living water is in us, the glory of God begins to exude from us. We can't hold it in. It begins to manifest itself in our lives, the glory of God. It's that simple. That is, this is the substance of our message. We preach Christ no more, no less. So this morning, I don't have any secret formula of living water. I can't give you some uh, chemistry equation for living water. Paul would say to us, it's simply this. It's Christ living in you. It is Jesus Christ in your life day in and day out. Not sometime, but all the time. Christ in you. Christ in you. He goes on here after telling her about this living water and about, about her asking, Yes, sir, give me this water. Jesus says in verse 16, he said, Go and go call your husband and then come back. And she says, I have no husband. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. You spoke the truth, sure enough. So this is a woman that is trying to get her thirst quenched with relationships. She's trying to find somebody that can give her meaning and love in her life. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not even your husband. You know, it goes on um, in, the, in verses 19 through 24. I'm not going to read to you. You know, but in this place right here, in the passage, Jesus gets personal. He gets real personal. And I want you to know that Jesus is always going to get personal with you. He wants to get down to the basics. He wants to know what makes you tick. He already knows, but he wants you to know what makes you tick. He wants to address the things you're thirsting for. And he, and he addresses it with the woman. Now, isn't it interesting that he offers her living water knowing what her lifestyle's about? Because he knows that it's living water that will change her life. But, you know, whenever he offers her this living water and then calls her out, she goes religious. For the next several verses, she gets into, wants to get into a religious discussion about where Jews worship and where Samaritans worship. And so oftentimes, whenever God gets personal with us, even today, if God is getting personal with you today, there's a tendency for, a tendency for us to go religious. We want to have a debate. We want to have a discussion. We want to have an argument with God. Rather than facing the reality is, yes, I need this living water. Yes, I've got some issues in my life. Yes, I need to own them. Yes, I need to confess them. Yes, I need to quit denying them. I need to face them. I need to, I need to invite Christ into my mess, into my life, and quit putting on this religious mask that I come on Sunday and everybody thinks my life is fine. But if everybody knew, it's not so good. It's not so good. Jesus loves this woman. He addresses it. And then she says in verse 25, the woman said, I don't know about all that, but I do know that when the Messiah is coming and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And Jesus declares this truth, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. More great words. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. 
This morning, if you are thirsty, you don't have to look any longer. Christ is here. You don't have to look any further. Christ is here. He wants to come into your life, and he's brought you here for a reason. You see, Jesus always sees us in the midst of our brokenness. He meets her with compassion, with love, with grace, and not condemnation. Can you imagine, if you know anything about uh, Jewish religion, how a Pharisee would have treated this woman? Had it been a Pharisee that met this woman at the well, how would he have treated her? He would have probably started picking up some stones, some rocks, so he could stone her to death. That's typically what Pharisees did with women that were living this kind of lifestyle. They were put to death. But Jesus didn't address her that way. He offers her this living water. He offers her a new opportunity. You know, in the, in the church, among religious people, we tend to do one or two extremes when we meet people that are living a life that is outside of God's best for them, outside of what God wants for them. We either accuse or we excuse. We sometimes accuse them of living a bad life and we become all judgmental and then they become what? Defensive. And they put their hands up. They don't want to hear what we got to say because we're accusing them. Now, the other mistake is to excuse their behavior and allow them to live in denial that there's a problem. But what does Jesus do? I think we find that Jesus came in John 1.14 to do this. He says, John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Say with me, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. You know, what is grace? It's when Jesus says to you, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what. And what is gr truth? I'll be honest with you no matter what. I'll be honest with you. Jesus is honest with this woman. He says, you're living in a lifestyle that's not bringing you any real meaning. You're, you're thirsty. You, you need to go in a different direction. This is not meeting your needs. I can meet your needs. He tells her the truth. Now, let me just say this as clearly as I can. Jesus is not a truth. He is the truth. He is not a truth. He is the truth. He's not one of many truths out there that you can pick and choose. He is the truth. And in fact, he says in this religious discussion, he says one day people will worship God in spirit and truth. And what does he mean by that? He means that when you worship God in spirit, that you can worship wherever. You don't have to be in a mountain in Samaria. You don't have to be in Jerusalem. You don't have to be at Mount Horeb. You can worship God anywhere in spirit and in truth. What is the truth? It is, is he is the source of truth. You worship him. You don't worship the world. You don't worship the culture. So we don't live in a world where we accuse people. We also don't excuse people. We focus on grace. We focus on truth. You know, Jesus sees the potential of this woman when she can't see it herself. Certainly her town can't see her potential. And maybe today you're wondering if, you, if, you, if your life is worth anything. I've made so many mistakes. I've messed up. Or I've got so many limitations. There's, there's just nothing I can do. Jesus says you're wrong about that because you need some living water in your life. Bob Healy introduced me to a, a young woman last week. I talked to her on the phone on Friday morning, but Bob had told me her story. 
Her name is Lainey George. She was sexually abused as a young child. She grew up with her mother in an adult club. Her mother was an entertainer there. And so she was taken away from her mother at the age of 12 and put in foster care. But Lainey George got involved in that whole adult business herself because her mother taught her that. And she remained there until she was the age of 17. And, and, and God rescued her out of that life. She began to put her life back together, and she began to follow Jesus in her life. And she got married, and she had a, some wonderful children. But all along the way, she still felt broken. She didn't feel whole. She felt cleansed, but she didn't feel whole. She felt broken inside because of the lifestyle that she had lived. And she, was, she tells the story of walking along Clearwater Beach after a storm and uh, her husband with her and, her and one of her children. And her husband says, I'm going to walk on ahead of you. And uh, they were walking along her and her daughter. And, and she kept finding these uh, shells like this and broken seashells. You know, you've seen these, right? And you can only hope to find one that's not broken. And she kept looking and uh, looking for a shell like this. And uh, I think we got a picture of one up there, a shell. But uh, yeah, there you go. Something like that. You've seen those, right? Broken. And she said to God, she says, that's how I feel. I feel, I feel cleansed. I feel washed, but I feel broken. I don't, I don't feel whole. And uh, she says, as you have that conversation with God, she said, I felt God whispering in my heart that, that I'm making you whole. She says, no, God, you're not making me whole. I'm, I'm broken. My life is still a mess. I, I really kind of hate my whole childhood and everything that happened to me. I'm, I'm broken. And she said to God, God, if you would just let me find a whole unbroken seashell. So she continued to walk along the beach, and she kept finding broken seashells, one after another, bigger, broken seashells. She said, God, see, I'm broken. And then just then, her husband, who'd walked on ahead, said, hey, come here. And she looked up, and there he had in his arms, in his hands, a bunch of unbroken, clean seashells. And that's a picture that Lainey drew of what she saw her husband holding. Beautiful, unbroken, and whole shells. She said, I began to cry. And my husband said, what did I do wrong? He said, not that you're good. And she, and, and she heard God say to her, Lainey, not only do I have enough love for the whole world, but I have enough love for you to make you whole. And I want to make you whole so you can go love other women in this same situation and help make them whole. See, living water that would change her life, living water that would help her come out of a, a childhood that was horrific and become whole. Only living water from God can make that happen, and it's available here to you today. Today, Jesus Christ wants to make you whole. He's offering you grace. He's offering you truth. He's, he wants you to get honest with him. He wants you to keep, stop pretending and stop hiding and come clean with what's going on in your life. He knows everything about you. He knows all of your hurts. He knows all of your mistakes. He knows about your addictions. He knows about your messes. And he wants to come to you in the middle of it to give you some living water. And let me tell you this. He's not asking you to change yourself because you can't. He says, let me come into your life so I can change you. Let me change you. Let me make you whole. 
See, willpower can't change us, but living water can. Living water can change us. He wants to move you from regret to hope. There are people here today that just have regrets about your life, maybe regrets about yesterday or last night. I just can't get this together. I want you to know that living water can change you right now. And you don't have to look any further. You don't have to wait any longer. You can do that right now. In fact, I want to pray with you right now. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you brought us here today to hear this story, the story of the woman at the well, a woman that was broken, a woman that was hiding, a woman that was an outcast, a woman that was empty inside. And but yet, Father, you show us that Jesus loved her, and Jesus offered to her grace, told her the truth, confronted her issues, then offered her this living water that could change her life. And Lord God, I know there's somebody here right now this morning, here in this room or over in the auditorium that feels empty. They're thirsting after the wrong things. They feel like you're condemning them, you're judging them, you don't love them. But Father God, you revealed yourself in Jesus. When we see Jesus, we see you. And we know that you go to people just like us who are broken and you love us and you want to make us whole. So I pray right now that there are those here who would just simply say yes to you, would confess their brokenness to you, would own who they are to you, and say, Father God, would you forgive me? Yes, please forgive me. And would you cleanse me right now? And Lord, would you begin to make me whole right now? Put my life back together now so that I can make a difference for you. And Lord God, do that right now in this place. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, as you make that decision to become a whole person through the living water of Jesus Christ, you, there's a good chance you need to get into a small group, into a Sunday school class. You need to, you need to get along with other people that are also doing what you're doing. Because all of us in this room are becoming whole people by the grace of God. You know, sometimes our brokenness and pain is caused by our own bad decisions. We make some bad decisions and it brings brokenness into our life. And we got to deal with that. We got to confess that. We got to own that. Uh, we got to receive forgiveness for that and move forward with that. But there are times in our life whenever brokenness is not our fault. Laney George did not ask to be abused as a young child, she didn't ask to be raised in an environment that was horrific. We live in a broken world where bad things happen to good people. I grew up in an environment, many of you know my story, where I haven't seen my mom since I was five. Never had a relationship with her. Grew up in a broken world, in a broken environment. And I stand here before you by the grace of God, by the living water of God. It was kind of a crazy thing. And about, I don't know, in the last month, my, my dad, who I have a good relationship with now, and he's a believer, and... He called me and said, hey, by the way, I forgot to tell you, your mother died two weeks ago. You know, and it's one of those things where I didn't have a relationship with her at all, but it kind of, you know, ooh, okay. And I asked, was there a funeral? No, no funeral. Was there an obituary? No, no obituary. Just did a cremation. That was it. So it closed a chapter in my life 
But I believe by the grace of God and living water of God, I'm a whole person. And God filled that emptiness with his grace and with that water and has given me the opportunity to help others who know that pain. Just like this woman who will go back to her town and help others. But you know, there are things that happen to us that aren't our fault. I love the story of Nick Vujek. He was born with this disorder that he has no arms and he has no legs. He made a decision to receive living water. Here's a guy from Australia, no arms, no legs, that became a follower of Jesus. I want to put the first picture up. This is Nick Vujak and uh, with his son. He's a believer in Jesus. Jesus changed his life. I love what he says. The victory is not when I stand up. The victory is when I realize that I can't do it on my own. This morning, if you want to have victory over whatever it is that is holding you back, you got to admit you can't do it on your own. Not by your willpower, but by the living water of Jesus. Then this picture and this statement. He says, it's a lie to think you're not good enough. It's a lie to think you're not worth anything. So this morning, if you believe that, it's a lie. It's a lie. God says you're good enough. And God says you're worthy enough that he sent his son, that Jesus died on the cross for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done. I want to kind of close this scripture reading up with these words in verse 27. Just then his disciples came back <laughs> and, and they were shocked. You ever been shocked when Jesus changes somebody's life? You know, you've all got those people, right? That no hope for them. You got somebody in your family like that? You got somebody in the neighborhood like that? You got somebody you've already given up on? Not Jesus. He doesn't, he'll go anywhere for anyone, any place. They come back and they're, and they're shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it. Let me just tell you, folks, from up here, I don't know what you're thinking sometimes, but your face shows it. <laughs> I can see some of you in the hallway. I know you're mad about something. I can just tell you're, you're mad at the pastor. You're mad at somebody on staff. Your face shows it. You got to get over some of that stuff. I don't know, some of you guys, gals, ladies, you know, God's doing some amazing things in this church. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? I'm going to really start preaching in a minute because the guy's doing some amazing things here. But some of you are still hung up on such little things you need to get over. Like these disciples, they were shocked that Jesus was doing what he was doing. You know, when we stand before God one day, he's not going to ask what we were upset about. He's going to ask us, did you make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Did you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul? Well, that wasn't in my notes. So all right. So the disciples, their face showed it. Our faces show what's in our heart, folks. They do. The woman took the hen and left. Now, that's Peterson's paraphrase of that. The woman took the hen and left. There are some people that leave because they're looking on your face. They walk into the door of this church. They don't know anybody. And sometimes you may give them a look that says, what are you doing here? I don't ever want to be a part of a church like that, do you? I want everybody to feel like this is a place they can meet Jesus. No matter what they look like, no matter how they dress, no matter their background, 
This is the place they can meet Jesus. It's a great word here as these, uh, the way Peterson paraphrases this. The woman took the hen and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. Folks, if we will let people see Jesus in us, you can't build a sanctuary big enough. We, we can't build an auditorium big enough for the people that want to see Jesus. Do people see Jesus in you? What do they see on your face? What do they see in your heart? What do they hear in your words? You know, Jesus redeems our mess. I want you to hear this. Redeems our mess. And all of us got a mess. There's nobody in this room to have a mess but he redeems your mess to give us a message and give us a mission. You got a mess in your life and God wants to redeem it to give you a mission and to give you a message. This woman leaves Jesus, leaves her water pot behind and runs with great joy to those who judged her, to those who had rejected her, to those who had condemned her and said, you got to come meet this man. You got to come meet this man who knew everything about me but he didn't condemn me. He offered me living water. And can't you imagine she's running into the town? Something's different about her. This is the same woman that they'd rejected. They had, they had, they had made go get water by herself. The woman, the woman had nothing to do with her. Now, nobody, none of you went in here to do that, right? There aren't people in Lexington that you don't talk to or, because you don't do that, right? This woman here goes back to those same people. She's different. She, she, she's, she's overflowing. And they see there's something different about this woman. She's a new woman. And she's got this water and she's got something going on. And again, if you and I will be filled with God's spirit, filled with God's water, we can go change the world. And people are drawn to the water of Jesus. So she has this mission. She has this message. I love what Lainey George did with her, her life. Lainey George did two things with her life. One, she rescued her mom out of an adult club when her mom was 47. She finally went and got her mom and took her out of that life and kept her mom with her, and she became a grandma for the first time and, and kept her for a very short period of time until her mom died of those diseases that catch up with you when you live on that side of the world. But she restored the relationship with her mom. But the second thing she did after a lot of prayer and searching, she got involved in helping women be rescued out of sex trafficking. And because there wasn't a home for a woman that she was trying to help all over the U.S., she called, I think the statistics she shared in her story that at any given time, there are 300,000 women that are being trafficked in the U.S. And there's only about 150 beds available to help rescue them. So she went looking for help and and she couldn't find any, and she prayed about it, and this woman needed help. And, 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 and she says, Lord, there's no more rooms left anywhere in the country. I've tried everywhere. And the Lord said, there's a room at your house. <laughs> he said, you know, Lord, you don't understand. I've got a husband. I've got kids. I, I, I can't do that. And long story short, she invited the woman home for supper. And so the, the ladies at her dinner table for supper, this woman like the woman at the well, perhaps. And the woman gets up and goes outside to smoke a cigarette, and her husband says, is there something you want to ask me? 
says, yes, is it possible that she could spend the night here? And he said to his wife, the Lord told me yesterday, this is what we're supposed to do. And now they open their home up and they have at least always 12 women, 12 or 13 women staying in their home that are escaping the horrible sex trafficking business in our world. You see, whenever God rescues you out of a mess, he always gives you a mission and he always gives you a message. Nick Vujak, who has no arms or legs, through his testimony for Jesus, has now reached over 200,000 people have become believers in Jesus because of his testimony. You see, friends, when we have living water inside of us, we have a mission and we have a message. And this church here could not be, did not have enough seats to hold the people that would come if we would allow that living water to flow out of us. This morning, there's really two points of this message is if you feel broken, you feel lost, Jesus invites you to come to him and receive living water. But if you have met him and you know him and you've received living water, then go and do what he tells you to do. Go and have a message and go get involved in a mission. Go make a difference in the world. And don't come here just to get fed over and over again. Go and make a difference. Go and change the world. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing a closing song that uh, is a very powerful song. And I want you to listen to the words. And I, I want to open this altar up for anyone that wants to come and to be prayed with and be prayed for. I'm going to ask Pastor Faye to come and stand up here with me. And we're just going to sing. And, and if you want to come and pray for someone, maybe you know someone that's in a mess and their life is broken and, and you want to pray for them to be, uh, to, be, to be restored, you can come do that. But let's just have a time. Listen to these words about the woman at the well who was thirsty. And I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray before we sing. And I'm just going to ask you to come. Would you stand? Father God, speak to us today. Give us a message. Give us a mission. Lord, let people see Jesus in us. And those who feel hopeless and lost, feel unworthy, feel broken, feel worthless, may they receive your water right now. May they be full of your grace. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen.